All right. Well, good morning, and we are glad that you're here. Kidmo can go. Um, they are gone. And we are thankful that you are here with us, and I thank you, Lawson and Breck, for sharing with us today, and uh, thank you for sharing. I guess one of the beauties of our faith is it is just mysterious, and yeah, joy in the midst of grief. Um, I think many of us can relate to that really well. There, we really get into living this faith out where it's not just <clears throat> our practices and our beliefs, but actually living this out day by day. There are just there are contradictions, are there not, in our faith? Uh, joy in the midst of grief, hope in the midst of despair, uh, excitement in the midst of fear. You know, there are just so many mysteries to the way God works in our world, and I think it's just one of the reasons that it is important that we as a church are seeking uh, what God wants to do among us, because uh, there are things that we assume life is about, but until we really get to the things that Jesus tells us life's about, uh, we can just miss some really wonderful things. So thank you for sharing that with us. I am looking forward to our Christmas Adam service. Um, I do want to talk about one of those seeming contradictions in our faith with you today. But before I do that, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an update and just thank you for being a part um, of our time of prayer over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm also incredibly appreciative of so many of you coming up and saying, hey, what can I do to help? Um, which is needed. But um, there also, uh, we need to be careful that we do not get busy um, and be busy about the things that are not necessarily leading us where we need to go. Um, so to that end, um, a couple of things I want to share with you. I shared this with those that met with us this morning to pray. Um, we are continuing to pray every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., but not next Sunday. Um, you can pray at home. We won't be here. Um, but we do have some action steps we can take over the next few weeks. Um, and, but it still needs to be couched fully in prayer. One of those action steps is I'm going to be, after the, after the first of the year, because we've got plenty to do over the next week or two, after the first of the year I'm going to be sending out um, a survey, and it's going to be very um, generic and vague. The point is to get your feedback, your input, and to see what God is sharing with you in our times of prayer. In your times of prayer, your times of as you search Scripture, um, one of the primary questions we're asking is simply, what does it look like to be the church for the next 10 years? Uh, and I do believe that God is going to be showing us as a community some new things, maybe some old things, um, and ways that, in which we can do that. So I'm going to be asking for your feedback. You'll be able to offer that feedback anonymously, or you can put your name to it. Um, we're then going to... Uh, begin having some roundtables where you can come, and we're just going to talk practically about what it looks like to put this together and to move forward. Um, that'll all happen in January. Um, I think January 15th, uh, we will have, um, is that right? 8th, 13th, 8th, see, 1st, 8th, 15th, yeah. Um, we, we will probably have another family meeting, and we're going to likely start having those quarterly where I share more and more about where we are as a church, um, some of our needs. It'll be an opportunity for conversation. Um, I think we'll do that one in January on January 15th. So 
I'm looking forward to all those things. I'm thankful for you. Um, I'm just very encouraged by your response over these last couple of weeks, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do among us. All right? Okay, enough of that. Uh, today, I, oh, really, today and Christmas Adam, um, I've, got, I've got a few things to share with you, but Christmas Adam is less um, about a sermon than it is about worship and time together, um, celebration, communion. We'll do some things with the kids. Kids will be in here with us. And um, I, so I've got a few things I want to share with you then, but I, whether you tune in next Sunday morning at 10.30 or not, uh, you know, in case you didn't know, the video stays available <laughs> well after it shows. If you want to watch it later, you can. I've got some things I want to share with you next Sunday uh, that are just about life and about the patterns of life. We see patterns in Scripture. Um, there are patterns in life as we seek to follow Christ. And um, I want to wrap that up, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about the next couple of times I'm going to be with you and then where we head after the first of the year. But today, when I want to, I want to share a bit of a... a uh, I believe it's a piece um, of where we're, we head as a church, but uh, it's also just uh, there's just going to be some conflict in you as you hear what I have to say this morning, and that's fine. Um, but I think that you will agree with me that this is a part of what it looks like to follow Christ. We began talking about the light in the world that is Jesus. Um, it's also the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and gave His life. For us, he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and he has given us the opportunity to know him, to follow him, and to explore not a new type of humanity, but an original type of humanity, the kind of humanity we were created to be. We have that opportunity, and that light presupposes there is darkness. Um, I do not have to convince you of that. You know that there is darkness in the world. Uh, there is difficulty, there is hurt, there is pain, there is grief, there is sadness. Um, there are people that seek to find joy by causing pain in others. <laughs> there um, are things that happen in life that we, we looked a little bit at Cain and Abel. Um, no matter how well Abel did whatever he did, um, things still did not work out for Abel. There are things that do not work out for us. And in the midst of that, there is light. And there is an opportunity to have uh, the light in us. And the light in us is very much having Jesus in our lives, the Holy Spirit being in our hearts. Um, but Jesus talks about having the light in a very specific way in which we talked about uh, last week. And that is you follow in a way that you have the light. So there is an action that's involved with carrying this light with us. But Jesus goes on to say, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this today, Jesus goes on to say, yes, I am the light of the world. But then he says, you are the light of the world. And you have this light if you follow me. Uh, so that is incredibly important for the conversation we have today. And um we do have, I think we have our Christmas shopping done. We have our Christmas shopping done, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you all ever answer like that? Uh, yeah, we mostly have it done. Um, so we're, gonna, we're headed out of town for a few days this week um, just with our family, so we're going to enjoy those few days together, so we had to get it done early. Uh, but uh, you have been working, I hope, 
um, preparing for this time that you'll be with your friends and family at Christmas. Um, and you have been spending time uh, giving and helping. Um, you all, many of you have helped here and done different things here. Uh, you are an active group of people that are giving of yourselves uh, for others. Um, but there is a light that is in us that there very much is action that must be attached to it. And one of the things that we, as we move forward in understanding what it means to be um, the light in the world is recognizing that there is something Jesus is calling each of us individually and us collectively towards. He's calling us towards something. And we have the opportunity to share that or to keep that. Um, but for us to jump in, in uh, John 8.12, and I want you to stay with me. I, I've got some things I want to share with you. You're going to push back um, initially, um, and then I have something I want to show you, and I think it will probably, that's really all I need to do. We could probably avoid the rest of the sermon if I just showed that to you. But John 8, verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This light in this darkness, this hope in the midst of despair, joy in the midst of grief, there is light in this darkness. It does darkness is ended, but there is light available to us in it, and it is a gift to us. What I want to share with you today is that we can have this light. Jesus says we are the light of the world, but the light in us is for the world. And there's a part of living out our faith today that it has become very individualistic. In other words, what is meaningful to me? What do I need? When I pray, what am I praying for for me or for the people closest to me? What, what exactly does it look like for me to follow Jesus? Um, I don't really know, but, but I know what I want for myself. And there is a part of the light that is other-focused all the time. I, have, uh, I, I know people that struggle through life, and, and part of their struggles, the way that they try to get through the struggles of life is I just, I just need to kind of circle the wagons and I just need to kind of focus on me, and I just need to kind of do some self-care. And, and believe me, the Bible is wrought with self-care. But a life lived in perpetual self-care misses some of the power of the light that is meant to care for us as we share it with others. There is a community aspect to light and faith that when we miss the impact on others and for others, we actually lose much of what Jesus promised us in knowing Him. So there is a light in us, but it is for the world, not just for us. And if we go back and we look at the, the, the beginning of the story, God has been working consistently with an end goal in mind, and that end goal in mind is the redemption of the world of which we are a part, both to receive and to show to the world. And a lot of times, a lot of times it looks like work. I'll just give you the, I'll give you the short story, and then I'll give you a little longer story. In the short story, a lot of times, walking in the light and loving others 
looks a lot like work. You've been loving your family members by taking money you have earned and buying them gifts, and you will wrap them, and you will put them under the tree, and some of you, and I'm not going to assume um, which gender, because I know we got some cooks on both sides of the gender uh, divide in this room, are going to spend a lot of time slaving over a hot stove to provide a Christmas meal for your family. You're going to work. That's work, right? But it doesn't always feel like work. Whenever we think about how do we improve our marriages, a lot of times we can improve our marriages by reading a book or by praying or by going on a date, but sometimes it means doing the dishes, doesn't it? Yeah. Or the laundry. Uh, This will be cut out of the video, by the way. (laughs) Or the laundry. There are times that Deidre comes in and she says, hey, you know what we're going to do this weekend? And um, generally not an exciting conversation. But it is, often comes with something like, we're going to clean out the garage. Uh, that doesn't feel like fun. It feels like work. But there's a need to clean out the garage, not just for the practicality of being able to move around the garage and not have rodents in the garage, but it makes us as a family feel better when we walk in our house through the garage to have a cleaned up garage. Sometimes the way that we love our family is through work. This is what Jesus said about being light in the world for the world in Matthew chapter 5. We, we talked about this a while back in the Sermon on the Mount. And I just wanted to revisit it, share a few things, watch a video, and then um, I didn't see many hands go up about finishing your Christmas shopping, so it sounds like you all have something to do today. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. I want you to just turn to the person next to you and say, you are the light of the world. Just do that. I mean, really say it. Like, I want you to say it. You are the light of the world. And I want you to hear it. Thank you. You are the light of the world. You. Not this arbitrary group that Jesus is talking to. Not the really good Christians. And you're not really sure who they are. But you know that's probably who he's talking to. He's not talking to me. He says, you. You are the light of the world. You know what would be a fun exercise this week would be every time you walk in front of the mirror, look at yourself and say, hey, you are the light of the world. And if you're in public, do it because that will just be more fun. (laughs) You are the light of the world. There is an aspect that when we read Scripture, we have a tendency to think He's talking about everybody but me. And whenever we assume He's talking about everybody but me, then we we remove ourselves from any expectation that God's going to do anything that He promises He's going to do. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, four quick things. 
that we take from this. Number one, we've already said it. You are the light of the world. There has been many a prayer wanting Jesus to return. Wanting our friends and loved ones who don't know Christ to have a real experience with Him. To have this mystery unfold within their lives that we've talked about a little bit this morning. This this mystery of the divine who comes and wants to live within us. Who wants to walk with us and us walk with Him. And it would be so great if He would just show up and He would walk through Children's Hospital and just walk through the hallways, touch the children, and they are all healed immediately. Wouldn't that be great? Or Memorial Heart. Or Cancer Treatment. And we think, boy, you know, if God really wanted to redeem the world, that's all He would need to do. Jesus, if You would just show up and You would start spitting in Your hands and socking it to people's eyes and start making some mud pies and throwing it on their faces. And if You would just walk over to a to a few funerals and You just say, hey, come out of there! And they pop out of the casket. Like, we could really get something moving here. The church would be on fire. People would believe and it would be incredible. And yet, it's never happened in our lifetime. And it's not happened in the last 2,000 years. And it's not going to happen. It's going to happen perhaps one more time, and that's when Jesus returns. We have no idea when that's going to be. It would be so great if that's what Jesus did. But instead, He says this, You are the light of the world. You're the... Plan A, plan B, plan C. Now the light is not originating in us. It originates in Christ. And so I want to be careful we don't go, oh yeah, I mean, we are pretty special. When Christians start saying that, yeah, we are, I mean, if we are special because we know Christ, but we are not more special than any of the rest of humanity. We are just like every other person on the face of the planet. But whenever we begin to embrace the idea that His plan A, B, and C is us, it changes the way we think about faith and it changes, it must change the way we think about community and about church. He's been working from the beginning to redeem the world. That did not stop when Jesus ascended to heaven. It does not go on hold until Jesus returns. You are plan A, B, and C. You. We. Us, or the world. You are the light of the world. And he goes on, number two, to say, let your light shine. He used to sing this song, hiding under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Makes me wonder how many people that I run into on a daily basis, other than you, I think you know I'm a Christian. I hope. Many people on a daily basis do I run into that know I'm a Christian. I don't know. I don't wear it on my sleeve. I typically don't like to be introduced as a pastor because there are too many expectations that come with that introduction. You know what I mean? Let your light shine. There is something about being light in the darkness that does make us different from the world. It should make us different from the world. There's something about shining in the darkness that says there is this 
this glow. There is this healthy thing that can push back what is unhealthy. There is this good that can push back evil. There is love that can push back everything else. But it has to shine. We cannot hide it. One of the things we struggle with in a self-care culture, again, the Bible is is full of self-care, often to be practiced on the Sabbath. It's full of self-care. But when we live in a self-care world that says, I need to make sure I'm taken care of, that is the same as hiding the light so that it does not shine to the others in our world. What is it like to have light in us for the world? Well, he goes on and he says, well, do good works and the world will see them. We don't like good work language because we have, some of us kind of grown up in systems where like everything was works. Like there was no grace, there was no faith. It was just all what you do. You do it wrong. We're going to let you know you did it wrong. You're a failure. And there, and so we we often reject the idea of works and this was, has been a problem in the church since long before Jesus was born at one night whenever it was 2,000 years ago. This has been a problem where we've had to have Jesus and the apostles consistently say, you are saved by faith, not by works. Because once we make our salvation about our works, then I really don't need anybody else. I can do it myself. And Jesus says, no, you cannot. But he does say, if you do good works, the world will see them. Where does it say that? Let your light shine so that they may see your good works. There's a lot about loving others that looks a lot like work. Whenever someone's having a bad day and you choose to take time out of your day to care for them, sometimes that looks like work. When someone's falling apart but you've got somewhere to be and you take time to be with the person falling apart, sometimes that looks like work. When you're raising children, as much as you love your children, does it not sometimes look like work? And one of the messages that we try to teach our children is you will not get anywhere in life unless you work. In fact, I have found in my own life there's much that you can accomplish and many places you can go if you're willing to put the work in. But for those who wait for it to happen without the work, they tend to wait their entire lives and it doesn't ever seem to happen. But there will be one or a little handful of people that didn't have to do the work and somehow it fell in their lap and that's the proof text for spending the rest of their life waiting for it to fall in their lap, of which it rarely ever will. It takes work. Many of you are in from college, and when you went to college, you wanted to hang out with friends, and you wanted to go explore the world, and you wanted to just have a good time, and you probably found out very quickly, college is a lot of work. 
And if you want a good job when you get out of college, you've got to put the work in. And here's, here's just a little secret once you guys graduate. Work is going to look a lot like work. And if you decide I'm not going to work when I go to work, like there's this whole movement about, you know, abstaining from doing anything extra. Well, I mean, that's fine, but you sure better do the thing in the job description because then you won't be working. Which is great until you want to eat or turn the heat on or go on a vacation. And then you realize, wow, that work really helped me do some things I really enjoy doing, like living, <laughs> surviving. There's a lot in life that looks like work, but this is not a popular thing to talk about because there's much in life today, much in culture that says, pursue the thing that makes you feel good. And work doesn't necessarily make us feel good. But many of the things we do when we're parents for our children, we will work because of our love for them. And when your friend's life is falling apart and they just need somebody to talk to, and you take time out of your day to spend with them, that may feel and look like work. It's not like us going out and having a good time and having a party. It may feel like work. But many times when we love others, it looks like work. And what Jesus is saying here is, there is something about what you do that gets the attention of a world that's living in darkness. But if we don't do anything, is our light really shining for them? Now, I, I recognize we've got all kinds of theological conundrums with this. And, and there's, there's like this fine line, and, and it's very easy to fall off on one side or the other, where it's just we get really proud and look at what I'm doing, and I'm doing so much more than someone else. And this kind of I talk about work often leads to this really ugly self-righteousness. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. But yet there, it is undeniable. And Jesus says this, a lot of times loving others looks like work. And when you do it in a way that honors Christ, it gets the attention of the world around us. Many of you volunteer at the food pantry. And when you go to the food pantry, the food pantry, I mean, it, I, it is, you do enjoy yourself more than you think you will because you get to talk and laugh and be there and you know you're making a difference. But the food pantry is work. Like when you get done, like we, whether you're packing or whether you're a runner or whether you're directing traffic or whatever, at the end of the day when you leave, you may feel full, but you've worked and you know you've worked. Because love often looks like work. There's all kinds of coalitions right now for the homeless and we've got... All kinds of issues happening, whether it be the Budgetel Hotel, the things that have been going on over there, all these families displaced, or whether it be the just the homeless, the, the shifting homeless camp where we try to corral all the homeless so they're kind of out of eyeshot and out of earshot so we can live our lives without having to worry about them. But to engage a homeless community looks like a lot of work. When you understand that not all, but many of our homeless are mentally ill, now it looks like a lot of work. Love often looks a lot like work. We do good works so the world will see them. And the fourth thing that he says here is that seeing us do good works will lead them somewhere. This work does have a purpose. 
It is not just to be busy. It will lead them somewhere. Jesus says it will lead them to glorify God. I think that is a process. You show up and give of your time to give a meal at the food pantry. A person who's receiving that meal may not drive off going, God must be real. And yet there will be some subtle shift in them wondering, why are they helping? I am so thankful that they are helping because now I can eat or my family can eat. Looks like work. When we look through Scripture, we find lots of work. We find Jesus walking in this world, constantly being criticized, and yet still loving others. When you go somewhere knowing that you're going to be spit on and criticized and portrayed falsely, um, and you still go, that looks a lot like work. Jesus carried the cross the last day of his life. That looked a lot like work. I mean, Jesus could have summoned angels to pull him off of the cross, and yet he stayed. That was work. And when he chose to come back and walk with his disciples and give them their final commissioning before he would ascend into heaven, that looked like work too. Because here is the reality of following Jesus. If we truly get serious about following Jesus, following Jesus looks a lot like work. And here is where, in your mind, you're either going, yes, or you're going, oh, no. Oh, no. And I I get it. Most of us want to spend our lives doing the things we enjoy. Most of us, when we look at the story of Martha and Mary, we all want to be married. I just want to sit and soak. And Jesus says, this is good. It is good that she's sitting and soaking and she is sharing her love for me. We assume it's bad that Martha's working. Well, it's not bad that Martha's working. It's bad that all Martha wants to do is work. But it's not bad that she's working. We look at the disciples and he says, I want you to go out two by two and I don't want you to take anything with you. Um, I don't want you to take any extra clothes. I don't want you to take any extra food. I don't want you to take any money. I just want you to go and live off of the people that you reach out to. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I want you to, if we were all come up forward today and say, okay, lay all your wallets down on the table, uh, take all your extra clothes, you can't take any extra clothes with you, um, and go, and, and for the next uh, while, you're just going to go and reach out to people and see who feeds you. I'm going to tell you, that looks a lot like work. Because Jesus is working to redeem the world, all humanity, to return to the way we were created to be. We look at the story of the Good Samaritan, and this guy's just minding his own business. He's not done anything wrong. He's he, he he's kept to himself. He's made sure his, he's not flaunting his wealth. Uh, and he walks by, and he just sees this guy who I don't. He's just like barely alive. I don't know this guy. I mean, he's this guy, if, if he were not lying half dead in the ditch, wouldn't even talk to me because his people hate my people. And yet he stops and he picks him up and he cares for him and he takes them to, to an inn and says, here, I'm going to pay for his care, nurse him back to health. 
he still had to work to get the money to pay for his care. And he had to take the time to, to go usher him over here. And I, I imagine his friends would have been like, why would you have done that? That guy would have hated you if he knew who you were. Because love often looks a lot like work. You have a friend that just, like, they're just always getting in trouble. And you're like, oh, man, are they ever going to learn? But they're your friend and you love them. But then they're just always getting in trouble? Well, just understand through the lens of Jesus, that friend is you. (laughs) You're that friend. Jesus is like, man, when is Mark going to get it? And I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. I'm 50 now. I mean, I don't think I'm going to. You know, and for Jesus, loving me is often looks a lot like work. Remember you come in on a Sunday morning and you've had a long week and you've got things to do. And this is your week to work with kids. And I know we all get excited and we love kids and we're all just at our very best. And I've heard occasionally we're not, right? Come in and we're tired and we're like, ugh. Sometimes loving families in our community looks a lot like work. We come and we sing and the music was great and I really can't wait for Christmas, Adam, but the worship that happens on a Sunday morning often looks a lot like work for the people that are learning the music and putting it on every week. I'm not in any way trying to diminish the gift and the intent behind the work. I don't want to just push it down on the same level as i got to go split rocks in the backyard. There is purpose. There is a gift in it. There is something we receive as we offer these gifts of work to others. But at the end of the day, many times love does look like work. It costs us something. We go on a youth retreat and and uh, someone takes off work so they can go hang out with our youth. Sometimes love looks a lot like work. I think one of the things, Deidre and I were talking about this the other day, one of the things we want is <clears throat> within the church and we really do want... Um, we want people to love be, to, to be loved unconditionally. I've, I've come to believe that you cannot really love unconditionally unless you've been loved unconditionally first. And I'm just going to say, love does not have to look like work. Unconditional love often looks a lot like work. Now, before you completely reject everything I've said, um, got a video I want you to see, commercial that was put out, and um, I think it illustrates a lot better than I've done that love a lot of times looks like work. Just watch that video.
<laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Sometimes love looks a lot like work. Yes, the work is worth it. Yes, some of the most meaningful things that happen in life happens as a result of that work. What does it look like for you to be the light of the world when God's intent is to redeem the world? You are plan A, B, and C. It doesn't always look like work, and and we can certainly get very self-focused when it does, but I want to encourage you to not shy away from the work of loving people. The things that cost you, the things that hurt, the things that disappoint you. There is a mystery in the way in which we follow Jesus and so many things, and one of them is the more we pour ourselves out, the more full we become. It is the exact opposite of the way the world sees life. It's the exact opposite of the way the world views how we should spend our time and our resources. The more we pour out, the more we fill up. And I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a worker and I get tired of working by myself. And I'm with you. Because sometimes love looks a lot like work. So we do call all to work. We recognize that we don't just work for them. We're doing something for their Father who is in heaven. And we remember that there's purpose. It's not just that we need to stay busy. There is purpose because they will see our good works. and They will eventually glorify God in heaven. Perhaps the thing that the world is needing much from us today is for us not to talk so much about what we believe as much as we need to show them how that belief changes our lives for the good and wants to do the same for them. We are four people. John 13.35, Jesus also says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I will tell you this, there are times that what Deidre needs from me she doesn't need me to tell her she's pretty. She doesn't need me to tell her that I love her. What she needs is for me to come and help. There are times that what my kids need is not for me to just tell them I love them, but they need me to go to work to show them what life looks like. There are times that you and your relationships, you need to go have coffee and laugh about good times, and you need to just enjoy your time together. But sometimes those relationships are re- going to require some sacrifice. And in doing so, there's purpose. One of the reasons that we also are, are looking to plan before we just get busy as a church is because nobody wants to waste that work. Nobody wants to waste that time. We want to know that it matters, that it's important, and that it's intentional. And as a church, the process we're going through, that we're going to spend time considering what are we asking people to work towards. I want to encourage you to be light in the world. It means oftentimes that we work. Of course, 
being light of the world involves witnessing and evangelism. But we have more witnessing and evangelism tools in the world today um, than we have ever had. We have movie theaters being filled with the chosen, and we have the internet in which you can find anything you want to know about the Bible. A whole lot of it's not true on the internet, but you can find something there. Those things are available. If a person is interested in Jesus, they do not have to go seek out somebody that they know knows Jesus. All they have to do is look them up or follow them on Facebook, and they'll get a steady stream of things talking about Jesus. There is no lack of of, of tools out there to witness and to evangelize, but there does seem to be a lack of people simply saying, I'm just going to love everyone I come in contact with, which is going to look like work because it's often not going to be returned. That's when the work gets hard. And when you say, I'm working, but is anybody helping? There is a truth, part of, again, this mystery of of the kingdom and of the Father and of Jesus being active in our lives. There is just this mystery that the more you work to show your love to others, the less like work it begins to feel. Absolutely, as that grandfather was lifting that weight, that was work. And at times you see him grunting and straining and dropping the weight. And and yeah, I mean, in those moments, those weren't moments of joy. That was moments of, oh my goodness, this is hard. But as he lifts her to put the star on the tree, do you think every one of those hard moments was worth it? Well, yeah, I think so. Because this is the mystery of following Jesus in this way. That the more you love others in ways that looks like work, the less like work it begins to feel. And the more just like loving others. That's what it feels like. And that is one of the beauties of following Jesus. The light in us is not just for us. The light in us is for the whole world. Last passage of Scripture, Jesus talking about us and sharing this light with the world. John chapter 17, beginning with verse 14, I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not because I am not of this world. I do not ask you that take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As we celebrate Christmas together of this baby that interrupted a world that was just falling apart, as God sent him, he is sending us. We are the light of the world. Father, I pray.